Uh, I know for many of us, we just think, wow, this is great. We get a, a three-day weekend. I know that means some people are traveling. We, we have some folks here from out of town, some friends and family, and we want to welcome you here. But we also want to recognize that there is a reason why we get that day off, and it's an opportunity to remember. Now, we gather here every Sunday to remember what Jesus did for us, and I think it's only appropriate that we also recognize that there are people uh, who have sacrificed so much for us. Um, we can talk about uh, teachers and what they do. We can uh, talk about um, our uh, police and our firefighters and our EMTs. But this morning, we want to remember those who have given their lives protecting the, the land that we live on and, and, and the people who live with us. And so I just want to take a moment and I want to offer a prayer for those of you who um, have been touched by that loss and just offer a prayer on, on your behalf. Let's pray. Father God, we just we don't ever want to take for granted the sacrifices that have been made. And Lord, I just I pray that it will allow us uh, to be more humble, but also to live uh, with courage and bravery because we know that there are people who have sacrificed so that we could have this freedom. May we never forget the sacrifice made for us by your son Jesus on the cross. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Okay, so let's just start off with a, a quote that you may know. If it were a snake, it, it would have bit me. You know where that comes from, right? You've all been there before, haven't you? I know I have, and I suspect that looking at some of you this morning, some of you could say the same things. You've been there before. It's odd, it's humorous, it's frustrating, and even in some ways it's tragic that we often miss the things that are right in front of us. Have you ever wandered up and down a grocery aisle looking for something that you know is there and you can't find it, only to have somebody point it out right in front of you? Has that happened to you before? Have, have you ever spent several minutes looking for your glasses, only to reach up and find them on your head? I'm guilty that's happened. Have you ever looked for your keys or your phone only to find them in your pocket, or even worse, this happened to me a few weeks ago, in your hand. As you're looking around, what did I do with my phone? I, oh, it's right here. Oh, that's a little... Have you ever walked out into a parking lot and you couldn't find where you parked your car? Just last week this happened to me. I don't know why I'm telling you this. But this happened to me. I ran into Albertsons. I had to grab something real quick. I was only in there maybe five minutes. I come back out. I go down the aisle. I know that I park. I looked up, and my truck is gone. It's, it's not there. And I look, and I, I cannot find it anywhere. And right about the time I go to grab my phone and say, okay, I'm going to have to report my car is stolen. How do they do it so quickly? Right? I remembered I had borrowed Wyatt's truck. I was standing right beside his truck, wondering how in the world I was going to get to where I needed to go. We do this all the time. We, we forget things that are just 
right out in front of us. Now there's a story in the Bible, it's my favorite story in the Bible, and I say that about a lot of them, but seriously I mean it about this one. This is my favorite story in the Bible because it really highlights something important. Don't miss the things that are right out in front of you. Jesus is going to step off the boat. Jairus is going to be there. He's a synagogue ruler. He falls down. He pleads. He says, will you come heal my daughter? Jesus helps him up and they start going to Jairus' house. And everybody's excited. Everybody is looking way, way, way ahead. They're thinking about what it means to go to Jairus' house because he's this really wealthy, rich, popular guy. People love him. Like, what is this going to do for them if they get to go there, right? That's what they're focusing on. And then we have this interruption. It's an interruption to everybody but Jesus. Because we have this woman, she sneaks up in the back of the crowd. She says, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Right, so she sneaks in, she touches it, he realizes power has come out from him, and she knows that she has been freed from her suffering. It's like, woo, this is like the best day ever for her. No one else around her knows, except Jesus. And this really could have been the end of that story, because everybody was still what? They're focused on going way, way, way ahead, and what does Jesus do? What does he do? He stops, and he asks a really, really silly question. He said, who touched me? And was just dripping with sarcasm, right? The people around him, his followers, his disciples, they say, what do you mean who touched you? Don't you see the crowd around you? How can you ask who touched you? Because they couldn't see close by. They were only focused on on what was way ahead. And this woman realizes that even though she has been completely invisible to thousands of people, she could not hide in front of Jesus. Seeing she could not go unnoticed, Luke 8.47 says, she came and fell at his feet and told him the whole story. I love the story of the bleeding woman because it shows that Jesus is present and he's always there. And so what I want to do for us is I want to talk about the fact that sometimes we can suffer from farsightedness. Sometimes we get so caught up on what's there and over there and way over there and maybe even back there that we forget that there's something right there in front of us. So in order to do that, I'm going to need a volunteer. Do I have, oh, Emmeline, come on up here. Thank you so much. I was like, I haven't prepped anybody. I don't know, this, I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, I can tell you this, um, there's no freezer involved. Okay, there's, I, I haven't like uh, rigged up a little scooter that you'll you do circles the whole time. So I think most of you know Miss Emmeline. Um, she is going to help us out today. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Okay, will you go ahead, I need you to back up, put your feet up against here because that gives us a point of reference. So, woo, not that far back. Okay, here we go. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to hold this in your hand, right? Okay, now hold your hand out like that. Now, what don't you do? You're holding the hand. Here you go, just like this. Bend that arm. There you go. Okay, now I want you to take 
two steps, and, and they can be good steps. I don't want baby steps, but take some decent sized steps. Those are pretty good. Okay, now I want you to stick out your arm as far as you can. Okay, so I'm going to look at this. Okay, Ooh, here we go, 76. Okay, 76. Okay, so you can hang out here. Remember that number, 76. That's an important number. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this number, 76. Let's see, I have to talk about farsightedness. This is crazy. Okay, I'm going to take 76. And I got to make sure I got the right formula here. Okay, this is the radius. Okay, so what we want to do is we want to square that number. Okay, get, that gives us 5,776. But that number's not important. But what's the first number? What's it? 76. She's like, five? It's summertime. Why are you asking me math questions? Okay, so now we take that number and then we are going to times it by. 3.141592. Does anybody know what that is? Why are y'all talking about food here? Focus. This is math, people. Okay, and that's going to give us that's going to give us 18,145. Now that's a hard number because there's a lot of digits. So let me make this a little bit easier for you. I'm going to divide that by 144, and I now have. This is the first time ever you've never heard. Of, I'm now going to provide you with your SOI. Okay, here it is. 126. Congratulations. Her SOI is 126. All right, good. There we go. Does anybody know what we're talking about here? Okay, so I'm going to help you out. SOI is what I call your sphere of influence. Okay, now. Now, the formula I just used is a really simple formula. It's how we get the area of a circle. And that is you take uh, the radius, you square it, and then you times it by pi. You know, pi r squared. You know that. You've studied that. You remember that. You love geometry. I'm just pouring this into you. So this is your area. So basically, this 126, that is the number of square feet that is your sphere of influence. So I'm going to help you out here. So get this hand. No, no, no you got to stay here. Stay here. Okay. Two steps this way. Two steps. One, two. Okay. Now, two. Uh, you got. Now that's back to center. Now go two steps this way. One, two. Okay. That's your sphere. That's how wide the circle is. Right. All the way around here. This is your sphere of influence. And this is really, really important. We're not just talking about math. I know a lot of you said, I had to do math in school and it's not important. This is really important. And afterwards, if anybody's interested, I will come measure and give you your SOI. 126 square feet. Now the number before was like 185,000. That's square inches. That's just kind of hard to remember. So remember 126. Can you remember that? Okay, don't ever, ever forget that number. You can go sit down now. Thank you, Emmeline. You did awesome. 126 square feet. Okay, I want to talk about that number. And for some of you, it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe, maybe you're a little bit older. Maybe you have longer steps. Maybe you have longer arms. Your SOI, your sphere of influence, is going to be a little bit different. But this is what your SOI is. It's where you live, it's where you breathe, it's where you worship, and it's where you communicate with others about life and about faith 
and about love and about forgiveness. And most importantly, your SOI is where God has placed you. Where you're sitting right now is the center of your SOI, your sphere of influence. That's where it is. And so I would guess that for most of you, based on how far you can reach out and how big your steps are, your SOI, your sphere of influence, it's probably between about 100 and maybe 200 square feet. That's about how far you can reach. That's that area. Why are we talking about geometry and this made-up number about SOI? Because we're talking about how Satan likes to trick us and the different ways that he used weariness and distractions. And this SOI is really, really important for our lives. And Jesus knew it. He was very aware of his surroundings. He was always present. He knew about the people who were around him. When everybody else says, go ahead, he says, don't forget this area. See, Satan wants you to ignore this circle around you because he knows that the most effective area, the place where you can reach people the most, the, way, the places that you shine the brightest is this little area right around you. And he says, I just have to get them to stop looking at that area and think outside the circle. And he does it in really easy, cunning, manipulative ways. So let me ask you this. You don't have to raise your hand, but how, ma how many of you turn on the TV and you start watching? How many of you turn on that TV and you flip to CNN? How many of you pick up your device and start reading about what's going on in this world? Let me tell you something right now. Here's something you need to know. Almost nothing, nothing, nothing that's on CNN or Fox News or Facebook, none of that has anything to do with your SOI. You do not pick, turn on the TV and all of a sudden it says, hey, let's talk about what's in Barry's 200 square feet this morning. Do you think they do that? They don't care about that. They're going to grab a story from California or Washington or New York or around the world. And you're going to start listening to that. And they're going to tell you about a person that you've never met or a group of people that you've never seen. And they're going to talk about how they're different than you. And before long, you have no idea that you're living in a circle. Instead, you are fuming and you're furious and you're mad and you're totally distracted and you're you're driving down the road thinking about that person that you heard about on CNN or on Fox News or on Facebook and you walk into Albertsons just down the road and your your circle which is moving with you and people are entering into that circle you're thinking about what you read on Facebook and you're mumbling and you're mad, right? I know you do because I do too. We're not that different. And we get upset 
And the clerk says, how's your day? And you said, did you hear what they just did in Ohio? Can you believe that? Are you shining a light to that person? Or are you complaining about somebody that you've never met? And you will never have any influence over. The most effective area, the most important place you'll ever be is this 200, 126 square feet around you. But Satan wants to distract you. He wants you not only to forget about the people who are near you, but he also wants to make you so angry that if you did actually have an interaction with them, it would be caustic, toxic, and end with another argument. If Satan can make you hate a person that you have never met or a people that you don't really know, then that emotion is going to come right back into this 200 feet, 126 feet that you live in. We have got to stop getting wrapped up in people and issues and politics that we have no effect or influence over. And so I'm going to tell you, because you've probably done it, and I have, I know, screaming at the TV or posting online or ranting to your neighbor does not make you more like Jesus. So many times we think that being right makes us more like Jesus. And we say, this is the side that Jesus is on. Do you notice what little Jesus does involving the people outside of his immediate area? He is so present with the people around him that he doesn't worry about how there's somebody down the road that's different than him. Or there's somebody in... Samaria that's different than him or the people back in the temple that are different than him he always finds himself in his sphere of influence being angry and hateful at people who are outside of your circle does not make you more like Jesus loving the people around you makes you more like Jesus. So I want to close out with this. Because I, I really want to get to the, well, what does this mean for us. Matthew chapter 25. We know the story well. Jesus is, is talking about the end times. He's talking about judgment. And he's talking about separating the, the two groups. Does anybody remember what he calls them? I'll give you a hint. They're both animals and they both are about the same to me. What are they? The, the sheep and the, the goats. And the, the sheep are the good ones. I don't know why they're the good ones. And they're the goats are the bad ones. I don't know why they're the bad ones. Some of you who know a lot more about agriculture, agriculture and animals can tell me, but that's okay. He says, he says to the sheep, he invites them in. He says, come and take the inheritance that has been prepared for you since the beginning of time. And why does he offer them the inheritance? He says, because what? What did they do? He says, I was hungry and you fed me. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. 
I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick or in prison and you came to visit me. And what did they say? Do you remember what they said? Whoa, whoa, we never saw you. When, when did you, we see you hungry? Or when did we see you thirsty? When did we see you, you know, in prison and sick? When did we see you naked? Like, we never saw you. And he's, he says, you know what? I was always right there in your circle. Where are you looking for? He says, whatever you did for what? Say it again. I want, I want to hear this. Whatever you did. Okay, I hate to say this, but I think most of you got it wrong. I heard one voice that got it right. Eddie, what is it? Okay, what's the difference here? We're forgetting a very important word. Jesus does not say whatever you did for the least of these. What did he say? Whatever you did for one. One of the least of these. Folks, this is a really, really, really important word. We get caught up in the masses. We get caught up in CNN and Fox and Facebook and all the things that need to be going on. And that's not necessarily bad. But if you can't love the people around you, is Jesus really going to applaud you that you hated the people you didn't know? Jesus, I really hated this group of people. They were different and I didn't like them. They voted different than me. They dressed different than me. They lived different than me. And I want you to know, Jesus, I made sure to rant about them on Facebook all the time. And you think Jesus is going to be like, well done. That's He says, whatever you did for one of the least of these. So real quickly, we're about to close out. But I, I just had to do this because I love numbers. And these numbers, they're hard because they're so big, it doesn't hardly even compute. But, but just so you know, in the U.S., I almost want to make you guess, but that, I mean, it's just crazy. In the U.S., there's 3.7 million square miles. Okay. In, in New Mexico, okay, there's 121,000 square miles. Now, let's not get confused how big a mile is. A mile is not 5,280 feet. That's a mile. That's not a square mile. A square mile is quite a bit larger. And we'll talk about that in just a second. In Hobbs, does anybody want to guess how many square miles there is in Hobbs? Anyone? How about this? 26.4. There's 20, now, now this is what's going to get a little baffling. Okay, does anybody know how many square feet are in a mile, in a square mile? Get this. Almost 28 million. Can you believe that? One square mile. So I had to do the math, okay? Not in my head. I got the calculator. I'm not going to lie. There's almost 736 million square feet in Hobbs. Just in Hobbs. That's it. 736 million. You, you, don't, you could not live long enough to step in every square foot of Hobbs. Forget New Mexico, forget the U.S., forget the whole world. If you made it your life goal to say, I'm going to step on every square foot in Hobbs from the day you were born until the day you died, you could not do it. 
But guess what? God doesn't say you got to go out and change hubs. He doesn't say that. What does he say? Whatever you did for what? One. I'm not saying you find that one, you do it, and then you retire from it. But I'm saying this. Just look at the people around you. Listen, you're within 200 square feet of a bunch of different people. And guess what? In a few minutes, you're going to get up. You're not going to leave here because you want to stay for class. But after that, you're going to go out. And your SOI, your sphere of influence, Emmeline, your 126 square feet, is going to walk into wherever you go eat. And people are going to go in and out of that circle. God never says, I want you to change the world. He says, I want you to change your world. Just, just your area. I, I want to release you from this because some of you are just really burdened down. You're struggling. You're tired. You're angry. You're upset. I am too. When I turn on the radio and the TV, I get really mad. And I start thinking about things that I can in no way influence or affect. But here's what I know I can do. I can love people around me. I can be a respecter of people around me. I can show goodness and kindness and love and mercy wherever I go. I cannot go beyond that. But I can absolutely change my world by the way that I love people. And so it's really simple. But it's really hard. The simple part is just focus in on what's around you. The hard part is, is turning off the device and the phone or whatever it is that's making you angry or at the very least making you miss out on the people around you. I see it all the time. I know some of you may do this. I'm not trying to judge, but it just it drives me bonkers when I go to sit down at a restaurant and I know I'm, I'm probably judging they're in my SOI and I, I shouldn't but I see people and there's a family of five and they're all sitting around the table and they're staring at a device and they don't know each other and they're angry and they're mad and they're distracted and they're going through life and the, and the, the suicide rate is skyrocketing, the loneliness is skyrocketing, unhappiness is skyrocketing and all we do is stare at our phones and wonder why we're so mad and angry and disconnected all the time. And I just want to say, it's going to be really hard, but it's very simple. Stop, stop worrying about all of that. And just look at the people around you. You're going to find hurting people. You're going to find lonely people. You're going to find lost people. And you're going to find people who just need the light of Jesus and his love shown on them. And so that's my call for you this morning. Find your sphere of influence. And start loving the people around you. And let God change the world. You just change yours. This morning we're offering an invitation. And it may sound a little different than what we normally do. But I just want to ask you that as we stand and sing this song of invitation. I, just, I want to ask that you be mindful of how God can work in your life. To change the people around you. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to come forward. But if you need prayers... 
If you say, look, man, I forgot about the people in my circle and I'm hating everybody outside of it, come forward and we'll pray for you. I think probably all of us could take a few steps forward on that, can we? And let's try to be more loving and kind and most importantly, more Christ-like this week. Let's do that this morning as we stand and sing.